Well, good morning. You can be turning to Romans chapter 12. The title of this message, Transformed Motherhood. I'm going to read uh, just the first two verses again, which we went over last time, but I was thinking about Mother's Day today, and I thought, well, this is a good place to go for Mother's Day as we honor the institution of motherhood. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be you transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Let us pray. Father, we come before you, and we seek, Lord, to lay before the minds of everyone here today the truth of what a woman is and what a mother is and what Jesus Christ redeemed women to be. In Christ's name I pray, amen. And so Paul says here, he starts out, I beseech you therefore, brethren, I beseech you therefore, sisters, mothers, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. As we come into the sanctuary today, you're coming into a place where truth is spoken. And the reality of what a woman is and what a mother is, is laid out in God's Word. And it's very much different from what the world says about what a woman is and a mother is. This is the first place where the enemy began to attack. You go back to the beginning of humanity when God the Father created man and woman on the earth. Who was attacked first? And today, as we continue to look at where the front line of the attack is in the world on God's design for humanity, where is it? Women. Motherhood is a blessed calling and is the highest calling for the woman. And women who are redeemed women, who believe in Christ, are the ones who are setting probably the greatest example for what it means to present your bodies a living sacrifice. as Paul says here in Romans 2. So I would tell you today, mothers, that your calling as mothers is to show to the world a living sacrifice that finds its greatest joy in being the women Christ redeemed you to be. He bought you with His own blood so that you can be like this that we're going to show today from the Word. And so I just want to answer the question, what is a woman and what is a mother? And then as we go through some various texts today behind uh, the Romans 12 text, we're going to be talking about what does it mean to be a living sacrifice and 
uh, some things that the world is trying to get you to conform to. Some of this is going to hurt because we live in the world and it does affect us. And we'll end with taking a look at uh, what a transformed woman looks like. A transformed woman is the one who is doing her best in the fight of faith to follow after the design that she was made. And so what is a woman? You know, the world system doesn't have a definition of womanhood anymore. In fact, uh, I would say this message is for Katanji Brown Jackson, who said she didn't know what a woman was. And it's for all mothers and for all women who might be listening We go to Genesis chapter 1 to see what a woman is. And it says this. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God created he him. Male and female created he them. So male and female were designed as a pair. They go together. And they reflect the union and the model of the divine image. And what is that divine image we're created in? It's the image of Trinity. Whereby you have a Father, Son, and Spirit, distinct personalities, one Godhead, who are in perfect fellowship, perfect love, perfect society and to be made in the image of God in male and female is to reflect that union of perfection. And the joy of that union produces more eternal souls made in the image of God. What a wondrous thing this is that we were made and we can produce eternal souls made in the image of God. And so we were made male and female, created He them. Just to say again, I've said this before, in the Bible when it says mankind, that word there in the original means male and female, mankind. Again, the enemy has effectively created a division between this design and what is known as the war of the sexes and pitting man against woman. It wasn't meant to be that way. Sin entered and it is that way. But we're talking about the kingdom of God and the church of the living God. This is our model. We follow this model This is the model we fight for, that we were purchased with precious blood to follow, not the world. In Genesis 5, 2, it says, Male and female created he them and blessed them and called their name Adam. There's again that unity of creation in male and female. They called their name Adam in the day when they were created. So what is a woman? A woman is a female. The one who conceives and bears young. She is made in the image of the holy God. 
She has the ability to think, to feel, and to act. And she has an eternal soul that's going to live forever. Somewhere. God called their name Adam, mankind. He created them. He created them with design specifications that can't be changed. You can't redefine a woman any more than you can change the law of gravity. He made them for a purpose. We see in Genesis 2, and 25, And the rib which the Lord God had taken from man made he a woman and brought her unto the man. And Adam said, This is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. Therefore shall a man leave his father and his mother, shall cleave unto his wife, and they shall be one flesh. And they were both naked, and the man and his wife and were not ashamed. So we see that the woman was taken out of man, out of his side. As uh, I've read commentators say, not from his head to rule over him, not from his foot to be trampled under his feet, from his side to be his equal helpmeet, to walk side by side with him through life in union and love. The woman is taken out of man, so the man is missing something if he has not a woman to make him complete. Now there's an exception to this in God's call to singleness. Where those who are born again and married to Christ spiritually, in some instances He enables them to find complete satisfaction in their spiritual marriage to Christ and forego union in this life. He is also, in the case of widowhood, a perfect husband to widows. And again and again we read how this Holy One satisfies those who are in mourning and loss. And He is a perfect husband unto them. So the definition of a woman cannot be separated from the fact that she's taken out of man and they were designed to be together, male and female. And this is the design and where humanity began. This is the basic unit of government. And it's important that women fulfill their roles as it is that men fulfill their roles. If a woman abandons this role and seeks to be something else, it causes a breakdown in society. It is the basic unit of government for the world. The design of the woman is holy, purposeful, hopeful, and bears the glorious image of the Father, Son, and Spirit. So the very purpose of the woman is to be a mother. So flowing out of womanhood is motherhood. And that comes from Genesis 3.20. And Adam called his wife's name Eve because she was the mother of all living. So why was her name called Eve? It says because. The reason why she's called Eve is because she's the mother of all living living. The mother, if you just look up the definition in Webster's 1828, 
Latin is mater, mother matrix, the womb. The materials of which anything is made. Mother Earth brings forth life. Mothers bring forth life. The one from whom life springs. Mama. The first face you see and the first word you can speak, probably. Mama. So the mother is the womb of humanity. The entire human race has proceeded out of mothers. The mothers of all living. 1 Corinthians eleven twelve said, For as the woman is of the man, even so the man also by the woman. But all things of God. So the Lord designed women to be mothers. And just some implications out of all of that to emphasize this. Again, there's to be a union between male and female. You're to be not conformed to what the world says about the family or motherhood, but you are to be transformed by this design. Unity in the family must be the first priority. Unity. To have any dissension in the home between mother and father is to depart from the design of male and female together in union. And that can only take place in a home where the Holy Spirit dwells in the mother and the father. I don't think it's possible otherwise. It, it, and I'll tell you this. I praise God for y'all's anniversary because I know being married, I, I don't know, 34, 35 years now, it takes grace for anybody to stay married one day, much less 30 years. Because we still carry that sinful nature with us throughout our life. And though we're striving for this unity, we fail a lot of times. So it takes a lot of grace to stay married. Right, Sister June? So it takes a lot of grace, right, Brother Paul? Our Brother Paul? It takes grace. And we, and we need grace. But this is a design. And this is what our hearts long for, for those of us who are made in the image of God. It's to be in union. It's to be in union. And any time a marriage breaks up, unfortunately, that's a conforming and a giving in to the enemy who seeks to destroy that union. So let's just go a little bit deeper here in talking about the design of the woman as female, as matrix as womb, as the source of life. Let's take a a little bit deeper look at that and just think about it for a little bit longer. And I want to go to Psalms 139, 13 through 16. In Psalms 139, 13 through 16, we have a Psalm of David where the Holy Spirit has inspired the psalmist to write this beautiful poetry related to what God is doing in the womb of a woman when a child is being created. Beginning in verse 13, For you have possessed my reins. You have covered me in my mother's womb. 
I will praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are thy works, and that my soul knows right well. My substance was not hid from you when I was made in secret and curiously wrought in the lowest parts of the earth. Thine eyes did see my substance, yet being unperfect, and in thy book all my members were written, which in continuance were fashioned when as yet there was none of them. There's this idea of a crafting, of an artist at work, and that curiously wrought. One commentator says that's has the picture of being painted with a needle. When an artist is painting a painting, they have different size brushes that they use. They have big wide brushes, they have smaller and thinner and smaller and smaller. But when they get to the finest details, they have to leave the brush behind and use a needle and dip the needle in paint to make the finest strokes. That's what God is doing in the womb as He brings forth life out of the woman. What dignity has God placed upon women that the artist, the architect, and the engineer is working in your very body when you're bringing forth children? That's what's going on in Grace Ann right now. All of you mothers. That's a glorious, wonderful thing. Motherhood. That's transforming to a woman to bring forth life. Life from life. That is transforming to her, isn't it? Any of you mothers here have had children, you know that is a transforming experience. It changes women and turns them from being little girls into mature mothers begins that process. It's transformative. It changes them forever. And when the womb becomes a tomb, that transforms a mother forever too. It says here, He covered me in my mother's womb and nourishes that child until it comes forth in the world. I was thinking about some illustration to try to get at this whole idea of what the opposite of that means, which is so ugly in the world. 15 million abortions last year in the world. A hundred every hour in this country. A hundred mothers every hour in this country are making the decision to not follow their design which will give them the most fulfillment and happiness and turn the womb into a tomb. And that is just mind-boggling. I I think of God's long-suffering. How long is He going to allow this to go on? That here He gave us this glorious ability to bring forth life and precious souls and teach them and train them and love them and show them Jesus Christ. And to reject that and say, no, I know better than you do. I was thinking about, uh, y'all know Frank Lloyd Wright was one of the great architects in our country. 
and he designed these houses. And I looked it up. There are Frank Lloyd houses for sale right now out there, if you can afford them. Even a little two, two three-bedroom Frank Lloyd house can go for up to 2 to $3 million because of who made it. Imagine if Frank Lloyd Wright's designing this glorious, beautiful house and someone walks in and takes a sledgehammer and just starts destroying it, just starts tearing it up and saying, I cannot find my full personhood unless I destroy what you're making. I mean, the whole idea of going into this precious place that's supposed to be the safest place on earth where life actually springs forth and to turn it into a place of death is the most opposite of the design for women and motherhood. This is the highest calling. It's your very design to bring forth life. To consider that infinite intelligence and artistic creativity works in the woman. Not the man, the woman. To bring forth life. Another way in which the woman, the mother... And this design of bringing forth life is magnified as in how Christ uses this for an illustration in John 16.21. In John 16.21, we have Jesus Christ in direct communication with God. It's one of the most profound sections of Scripture where before Jesus goes to the crucifixion in John 15.16 and 17... He's sitting there just carrying on this conversation with his father right in front of his disciples so they might see what it looks like. And while he's having this communication there with his father and speaking to these disciples, he says, A woman, in John 16, 21, A woman, when she is in travail, has sorrow because her hour is come. So a woman... In childbirth, travail, she's having great pains, contractions, and she's sorrowing because her hour has come. But as soon as she is delivered of the child, she remembers no more the anguish for joy that a man is born into the world. Now, why is Jesus saying that there? He's saying, when you see me be crucified, you're going to have great sorrow and travail. But when you see the empty tomb and you know that I'm raised from the dead and I have conquered death, you're going to be filled with so much joy you're going to forget the sorrow. I mean, isn't that happening? I know if, if it wasn't for the joy of children, would you ever have a second child? Women? If you weren't able to forget the travail and the sorrow? And Jesus sanctifies that experience that you go through and uses it for an illustration of the resurrection. Isn't that great? So every time you're in travail, or you look at your children, or you think about your purpose and design as a mother, you think, Jesus used this to show forth the resurrection. Hallelujah. And when you have a child, you're showing that to the world. Life springing forth from life. 
And in the resurrection, life springing forth from the source of life. Paul also used that illustration in what God is doing in you right now, even here in this room through the preaching of the Word. In Galatians 4.19, he said, My little children of whom I travail in birth again until Christ be formed in you. Paul as a preacher was laboring with these people. He was rebuking them. He was reproving them. He was saying, don't be conformed to the world. Don't accept these ungodly philosophies and this wickedness. Don't do it. Be transformed. Let Christ be fully formed in you. And over the course of our life, we believe the Scripture teaches that we are being more and more made like Christ. And we are taught in there that God's working in your soul through preaching and worship and fellowship and reading, memorizing Scripture and prayer. He's making you more and more like Christ and preparing you for the day when He will separate you from your body. So believing women in your living sacrifice of life, you're showing to the world the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ through the travail and sufferings of childbirth, the joy of the new baby being born. And all of that joy washes away the pain and the anguish. There's going to come a day, just think about it, when we are born into heaven, out of this sinful world where there's wars, rumors of wars, wickedness, strife, inflation, taxes... COVID, can you imagine the joy? I want to catch a glimpse of that joy. I think we get just a little bit of a sense of that. And that's what keeps us going. That joy is going to be so amazing, we're going to forget all this sorrow and travail. And so this womanhood and motherhood is the illustration to the world of what beauty is. End the living sacrifice. When a mother is making a baby, she is pouring her very strength into that making of that child. They have to sleep more. She has to eat more. Her blood, she's pouring her very life blood into the making of that child. Paul was pouring his very life blood into the forming of Christ and the members of those congregations as He gave His life to teach them the Word of Truth so that they would be transformed. In my own daughter, I saw this past two years ago now, just about where on number six, it was sapping so much strength and energy out of her body that she had a great trial in that pregnancy. Mothers, you, in the bringing forth your children, are showing this living sacrifice in such a way that uh, you're, you're just preaching to the world through that. You're preaching this message to them. Living sacrifice, wholly acceptable unto God. You're laying down your very body in living sacrifice. There's some women who die in childbirth and they lay down their lives for their children. It should be that way and not the other way around. 
And through the giving of your life and laying down, your very body is changing. And as your body changes through giving, through childbirth, the shape of your body, all that stuff is changing. You are becoming more beautiful. Richard Wormbrand spent about 11 or 12 years in prison in Romania. He was a pastor. Voice of the Martyrs was a ministry he started. I can't, it's not the same as it was when he started it. It's totally gone off the rails. But he was preaching in front of a group of pastors one time and he sat down barefooted and his feet were all gnarled because they used to hang him upside down and beat his feet with rods and all of the bones were broken in his feet. So his feet were just gnarling. And I heard this pastor say that got to sit at his feet and listen to him one time. The, the verse that came to his, said, his head is, How beautiful are the feet of those who come preaching the good news of the gospel of peace. And so all of that laying down and sacrifice made his feet more beautiful. Woman, it's the same for you. And a holy man of God will see women and all of those changes as being more beautiful, not less. Womanhood and motherhood was created so that you might understand the new birth. John 3. Truly, truly, I say unto you, except a man, a woman, be born again, they cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said unto him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter the second time into his mother's womb and be born? So Nicodemus like, What do you mean? Did that once, and I got to do that again? Jesus goes on and says, Truly, truly, I say unto you, except a man, a woman, be born of water and of the Spirit, they cannot enter into the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh. That which is born of the Spirit is spirit. This whole design of you, woman, for motherhood and childbearing is the very thing that illustrates to the world the new birth. Did you have any choice who your parents were? Did you choose when you were born the first time? And so you have nothing to do with the second birth either. It's God's sovereign will. And if you were born of the Spirit of God, rejoice, hallelujah. Faith in Christ proceeds from the womb of the new birth. Mothers, you get to show the world this truth with every child you have. You're testifying to that reality. Is it no wonder that the children of the evil one so hate motherhood and womanhood? You remember when Lazarus was raised from the dead. That's a picture of the new birth and the future resurrection and in John 12 and 10, after 
Lazarus was raised from the dead, the Pharisees are plotting to put Lazarus to death also. He said, but the chief priest consulted that they might put Lazarus also to death. So they wanted to kill not just Jesus, but everyone else who's born again of the Spirit. And that's still going on in the world to this day. And I'll tell you, a striking out, abortion is a striking out at this truth, the truth of the life-giving womb and motherhood, which testifies to the resurrection and to life from life. There's a striking out at the image of God, at God's design for women and motherhood. It's madness. It's self-destruction. Transformed motherhood, then, is nothing more than doing your best to follow the design that God has made you for to the best you can. It's going against the grain of the lie, of the culture. Being transformed is believing what the Scripture says about you and living a life of faith, which is the highest calling for all women. And it's not easy, is it? There's a lot of wrestling with that in the world today. But anything that gets in the way of the highest calling and purpose is to be rejected. Pursuit of recognition, fame, or a career that gets in the way is to be rejected. I was just reading an article this week in the paper. It's talking about how women are waiting later to become mothers. And so I thought, well, I'll, I'll take a look at this and see. And Of course, you know the reasons why they're waiting. But they're waiting. I think the average age is now 30, between 30 and 40 for a lot of women to become mothers because their first priority is their career. Their first priority is self. And uh, as I continued to read the article, she said, and also, you know, and, 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 you know, she said some things that were true. She said, but, you know, I'm more mature and I have more wisdom now. And I, well, after reading the article, I don't know about the wisdom. But there is something about maturity. Well, let me tell you, in the church of God, if you're a young mother, you got wisdom and maturity right here to tap into. And you got wisdom right here. You got the Proverbs. Mothers, read the Proverbs again and again and again and read them to your children and let that wisdom soak into your life and your heart and your mind. As we go through and talk about transformed motherhood and living this faith and these things that want to encroach in from the world, we got to keep pushing back their definition of what it looks like to be a mother. As I finished the article, she said, and we also had to wait till we could make enough money to pay for child care, nannies, and, you know, other people to raise them for us. And I was sad because I'm thinking she's fulfilling, you know, she's seeking everything for herself and she's sacrificing her children. I, I, I have to think, why did you have them anyway? You know, I, I don't know. It makes me sad. Because I know when as I look around here and I see the joy that you mothers have in your kids and spending time with them. There's always going to be this lure. There's always going to be this lure in the world that 
uh, career comes first. Well, we went through the Timothy letter. I t- go back to that and look at the Timothy letter. But the teaching of the Scripture, the truth is, the fact is for the church of God, the man leads from the top down, the woman leads from the bottom up, and we meet in the middle in beautiful union and family. There's a way in which women's leadership is even more strategic than men's because they are leading for the future generations in their motherhood and their raising of children. Pursuit of money gets in the way. You know what you say when you say, well, I can't have children till I can afford them. Who is the God in that sentence? I can't have children until my God money tells me I can. Don't you think God's got enough money to give you so that you can have kids? The one who creates such a glorious child in the womb, don't you think that He can provide for you if you will trust Him and pray and ask Him for help? Uh, I watch women. I was in the workplace for 30 years. I saw women who followed what the world says about motherhood. And it made me sad in many ways because the institutions in this country, public school, daycares, and all of that system are really designed to conform your child's mind to the world's system. 70% of all kids who graduate from public school and are raised Christians abandon the faith in college because they've already been conditioned by the world's system to reject the truth. So be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable, perfect will of God. You're going to have to be practicing 2 Corinthians chapter 10 repeatedly. And it said, what does that say there? It says the weapons of our warfare are not carnal but spiritual, the tearing down of strongholds. Think of the strongholds in our society of how the definition of womanhood, motherhood, and families has changed. And so you've got to take those thoughts captive to the obedience of Christ. That, that doesn't meet this. This is the standard. This is the design. The design of your body and of your life and your family will not be fully happy or complete if it's not following the design any more than a Lamborghini can run on water. It, you don't follow the design specifications. You can't be fulfilled and joyful and happy. And that's the fight of faith. How does it work out? How do we work out our families and motherhood and economics and all of those things? I know that's hard. It's not easy. But there are things that you must deliberately think about and go to the text and ask God, God, show me. Help me be obedient to your word. There are things that the fundamental place 
where the world is attacking women and trying to get them to conform all began in Genesis 3. There's so much we can learn. Every time I read this, I learn. In Genesis 3, 1 through 3, Now the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said unto the woman, Yea, hath God said, Ye shall not eat of every tree of the garden. And the woman said unto the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden. God has said, You shall not eat of it. Now listen. Neither shall you touch it, lest you die. There's a couple of things that I would just like to point out to you here. Women, you will be tempted to enter into conversations with the world system. She entered into a conversation with Satan, and she was already done for. What do you do when you teach your kids stranger danger? What do you tell them? You don't even in, enter into a conversation with a stranger. Because a stranger, if a child, and it's a bad person, can uh, manipulate them. You don't even enter into conversation. She entered into conversation with lies. She believed the lie that God was holding something back. You're going to be held to the truth that, you know what, if I can't go do what the world says a woman has to do to be fulfilled and satisfied, God's holding something back from me. That is the lie that's been around since the beginning. God's holding back that tree from us. Never mind, there were 10 million other fruit trees out there. An abundance where he said, go, enjoy, be happy. You're going to be tempted to add to God's word. Because when she said, neither shall we touch it, that's not anywhere in the other texts where God gives the command. Don't enter into conversation with the world. Don't enter into conversation. Another place you're going to be attacked to conform is in 1 Timothy 2, 9 through 15, where Paul giving instruction says, In like manner also that women adorn themselves in modest apparel with shamefacedness and sobriety. And he's laying down a principle here that there should be such a sense of the shame of the fall of mankind. And there should be such a sense of the shame of Eve's failure in every woman, every child of Eve, that you would be so careful in how you dress and how you look and how you behave yourself if you be a believer. You will... Also seek to take authority in places where you're not supposed to. God made men and women together equal as believers with distinct roles. The man shall be the head of the woman and Christ is the head of the man. Role distinction is not oppression. If that's true, every lineman in the National Football League is being oppressed because they can't be the quarterback. You see, God designed roles. And the role of the woman is beautiful and glorious. The man can't do that. And if the woman leaves, why are women leaving the role of being a woman to be like a man? It makes no sense. Their beauty and their glory and their design is fulfilled in being women 
and mothers. And so, don't be conformed to the world. Remember that Jesus Himself is in submission to the Father. And Jesus is equal with the Father, so His submission to the Father does not make Him less equal. He said, I go to do my Father's will. You're going to be pressured from others to do something that's different. Related to the continuing motherhood. Let me just tell you, motherhood doesn't stop once the child is born. The idea of mother is life springs from life. Life springs from the... There's nourishing and instruction and things that continue after the children are born. I believe that mothers, because... Those children come from you. You know better than anybody about how to teach them and train them. God has made them from you. You know them better than anybody. You have been gifted to do that. You have been blessed to do that. And that means that there's going to be some differences in how different mothers teach and train their children. So one mother can't look at another and say, she's not doing it right. No, that mother is blessed with the wisdom of God and the church of Jesus Christ to raise those children and teach and educate them according to how God leads them. You bring forward life from life. What do we call, you know what they call a high school? Alma mater. You know what that is? Mater is mater is mother. And we sing our alma mater songs to these high schools. And why do we call it that? Because there's the idea that the places of education are wombs whereby minds are being fashioned and trained and nourished. So the responsibility of mothers doesn't stop when the children are born. Proverbs 1.8, My son, hear the instruction of your father and do not forsake the law of your mother. And you see in here that instruction of your mothers. Mothers and fathers are to be instructing. We read of King Lemuel in Proverbs 31.1. It says, The words of King Lemuel, the utterance which his mother taught him. And what do we read in 2 Timothy 1.5 about Timothy himself? It says, when I call to remembrance the genuine faith that is in you, which dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, I am persuaded is in you also. What a heritage mothers have to teach the children about Jesus Christ. There will be some who will lose their mothers or may not have mothers. And Jesus said that those that are His brothers and sisters have mothers in Israel. Have mothers in Israel. The new Jerusalem in heaven is called the mother of us all. I think that young women are in the most danger in this room. Young women are being attacked probably more than any, ages between 
15 and 25 probably. I see, I see young women in the world in that category out there who are following after trying to look like the harlots of TV, the Kardashians and others. They're dressing like them. They're trying to be just like Women, you're going to be conformed by the women you look at and follow at and have as your friends. Women, young women, if you're, when you get to be in that age of learning an education or training or whatever you're going through during that time of your life, you are in danger. The women that are around you must be women who love Christ with all of their hearts. If you're following after women that are not following Christ, you're being conformed to the world system and you are walking away from Christ. The world will constantly mock women who have given up their bodies to the living sacrifice of motherhood. Particularly women that have become full-time mothers. I know that there's situations where that can't always happen. It's still the ideal situation. But let the wicked mock on, for you have the Holy Spirit, and you have this book and the design of the truth telling you about what the truth is. You're going to constantly be challenged to compromise in many different places. Mothers are going to be challenged to compromise the Sabbath day for work or the Sabbath day for something else or for an activity or a school activity. Those kind of things are going to try to creep into this place. We can't let them. In this world, mothers will suffer and rejoice and you will travail. And through your prayers and tears and perseverance and faith in Christ, you will be more fulfilled in the life of motherhood than you can in anything this world tells you a woman should be. So your calling as mothers is to show to the world a living sacrifice that finds its greatest joy in being the women you were created to be. You know what the predominant emotion that Christ showed forth in the New Testament? As Christ walked through this world and He was healing and helping people, the predominant emotion that He showed was compassion. And that's one of the things that we see as one of the great glories of motherhood is showing compassion. Jesus Christ has compassion on mothers. So when you're struggling and wrestling with this reality, this fact of who you are and what you were designed to be, and wrestling with how the world creeps in and gets in the way and economics and all of those things. As you're wrestling with that, remember, Christ has compassion on women. And you can go to Him and just say, you know, I want to do better here. I'd like things to change here. Lord, help me. Help me. I want to be what You call me to be. I want to show forth the glory of Christ, the love of Christ. We see Christ's great compassion In the story in Luke 7, and I'll close with this. Jesus Christ is coming into a city here in Luke chapter 7. 
And he's got these followers with him that have seen the light, who've been born again, who are filled with joy, the sound of singing and music, and it clashes head on with the funeral. And it came to pass the day after that he went into a city called Nain, and many of his disciples went with him and much people. Now when he came near to the gate of the city, behold, there was a dead man carried out. The only son of his mother, and she was a widow, and much people of the city was with her. And when the Lord saw her, he had compassion on her. Do you have compassion on your children? Do you see the the poor people on the side of the road and have compassion? You know, the kind of compassion we have lasts about that long. Jesus Christ, as a holy, infinite God, has a holy, perfect compassion. And so, mothers, you can go to Him in your trials, in your struggles, with trying to walk faithfully according to the book. And you can remember He has compassion. You can remember He laid down His life in perfect submission and sacrifice to redeem you and bought you back from the grave. He did His Father's will, not His own. He lived in direct opposition to the world system. And when He was tempted, He said, It is written. So look to Christ, look to His Word, and pray, and He will strengthen you. And I thank God for all of you mothers who have brought forth life. We are so grateful for you. We pray for you. We know it's not easy. And we want to be helpers with you in that endeavor. May God bless His Word.